I'm so glad you've taken an opportunity to spend part of your day with me on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Part of that is you rely on me, you depend on me to give you good advice, good guidance, information that you can put to work in your wallet each and every day. There are times that I come up short, that I don't do the job that you expect of me. And when I do come up short, I want to hear from you. I want you to let me know where I have not delivered. So we have a forum for you at Clark.com called Clark Stinks. Uh, We thought about other names for it at various times, but None of those were really family-friendly, so Clark Stinks is what we settled on. And so you can go post where you feel that I've not delivered, and others can see it. They can agree with you, disagree with you in their posts. They might even say, hey, you think that's a problem? Let me tell you something else that I don't like about how I, Clark, do my job. So then Krista goes through your various comments and posts, and looks for ones to share with you here with our on-air Clark Stink segment. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. Krista, we got to talk. Get people who are, like, really, like, furious with me. Okay, well, I, this isn't, I want to start out with this one, which because Joel is here, he may need to jump in on this too. Electric bicycles. As a regular bicycle commuter in New York City, I found the ubiquitous electric vi- bikes a Venice, a, I'm sorry, I find the ubiquitous electric a bikes a menace. They take advantage of the bicycle lanes, but go as fast as cars and motorcycles. In my humble opinion, they should be categorized as motorbikes and drive with cars. What do you think, Joel? Well, I will say first, congrats on commuting by bike. That's fantastic. Uh, and I love anybody that's willing to try it and go for it. Uh, the laws across the country in most states are that electric bikes are capped at a 20 mile per hour limit. Um, and that's the case with mine. So honestly, I feel like when I'm in the bike lane or riding amongst other bikers, for the most part, I'm keeping up with people or maybe a touch faster but i certainly don't feel like i'm whizzing by people at at crazy rates of speed because of that cap and you know going downhill on a bike you you can go 28 30 plus miles an hour so um, without any sort of electric assist that's just you and your bike going so yeah I, i haven't noticed that or felt that being on my electric bike and i try to be really conscious of everybody around me while i'm biking and i probably shouldn't say a lot here because Ever since I was in Shanghai eight and a half years ago, I've been obsessed with where electric bikes could fit into easing people's commuting patterns for commutes up to 12 miles, uh, which a lot of people do a commute less than 12 miles. And so I want us to make it possible for people routinely to commute that far on an electric bike. They have almost no cost to operation There are a lot of them that are really inexpensive to buy. And the whole idea of how we share the road with different people, nobody's figured that out yet in the United States. 
Where are they now? I listen to the show exclusively on podcast, my commutes to and from work. I often love the advice given, but many times the caller segment is open-ended since they need to take action. I would love for a show every so often that plays the original clips, but then updates us on the final outcomes, like a whole show every year dedicated to where are they now? Whenever Clark says, I want you to call me back if that does or doesn't work, the producer should make a note of the time frame to reach out to the person and find out if there's any progress to put them back on the air. I hate being left dangling. I love that suggestion. You know, if there's anything we in the media are miserable at, it's long-term memory. And that is a wonderful concept. I don't know how we would implement that, but... Uh, you know, in terms of overtime, checking up with people. But that is a great idea. Umbrella insurance. A lady called in and Clark recommended that she get umbrella coverage. I think insurance... Can't you say umbrella right? <laughs> I think insurance... <laughs> on your part of the country how you say that word. <laughs> I think insurance is a scam and consider it like the mafia where you pay a thug monthly to have your... You're back in the downtime. And when the time comes, knock on wood, you'll need to retain an attorney to make him pay up as he'll flake out and pay the minimum he can get by with. I once got windshield insurance and needed it a week later. When I didn't have it, nothing happened. It's kind of like a punishment from the gods for doubting. The boss of the company I used to work for bragged that he had cancer policy in addition to the traditional coverage all the employees had. The poor gent died less than a year later from a heart attack. Insurance to me is like an annuity. Only fools buy them. So I'm not somebody who's going to sit here and defend insurance companies, but I believe that broad-based insurance is very useful. And if someone has done well financially in their lives, having an umbrella insurance policy that lays on top of everything you do in your life And in the event something happens, it's maybe your fault or maybe the courts decide it's your fault, that that is there to keep you from financial ruin. It is, as I call it, a success tax. And so it is there to protect what you've worked so hard to save and build up over a long time or a lifetime, and it's cheap insurance. As far as insurers stabbing you in the back with it, I can't speak to that, and I'm not one who believes a lot in uh, in luck and bad luck and all that. So the boss buying the cancer policy, I, I don't think had anything to do with getting the heart attack, but that goes to a key principle I have. And that is, I don't like buying single purpose kind of insurance like that. You instead want to make sure you have good broad coverage, including disability insurance. Thanks for discussing smoke detectors in the wake of the recent fire in the UK. However, you should have told listeners that they need two types of smoke detectors. Ionization alarms have the radioactive material and are best at detecting a flaming fire, like paper that is on fire in the house. Photoelectric alarms are best at detecting smoldering fires, like a lit cigarette on a couch cushion. To my knowledge, there is no alarm that has both photoelectric and ionization technology in a single alarm. You need both, and both are available with carbon monoxide detection. I have alarms with photoelectric for smoke and carbon monoxide detection, and I also have alarms with ionization for smoke with carbon monoxide detection. I have a very sensitive Clark is smelly detector, and that is why I'm sending this note. You're the greatest, Mike. Mike, thank you very much for that, and you just taught me something. I was not aware 
that there are two completely different types of smoke detectors that you have to have as complementary devices. I'm going to learn more about that and see if I need to change how I talk about how important smoke detectors are because so many people leave themselves in great danger by having non-working smoke detectors, those with dead batteries, or they just don't have enough of them. Different brands, same coverage. Clark is venting his inner Pepe Le Pew with his advice on cell phone service. He says the only difference between the post and prepaid brands like AT&T and Cricket is the price. Not so. For those who travel to rural areas, often the fact that only postpaid services offer roaming also matters. Try comparing the coverage maps between the brands. That is a very valid point because with some of the mainline brands, what we're talking about is each of the four bigs, AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, and Sprint, offer their own discount version. And with the mainline brand, areas that they don't cover well in the country, they will wholesale coverage for you. But with the discount brands like Metro, Cricket, um, let's see, who did I miss? Boost and Total Wireless, they may not wholesale that coverage for you. And it is possible that you would find coverage gaps with one of the discounters you would not find with the mainline provider. And if you spend a lot of time traveling in rural areas, checking that coverage map for the discount brand would be absolutely key and central to making sure you have the coverage you need. Clark stinks, but Krista reeks. What? Yep. Clark, it's very difficult for me to say these words, but you do stink a slight bit. When your app came out, you were so excited and were plugging it every chance that you possibly could get. So, of course, being an avid listener that I am, I immediately installed it, and it was decent for quite some time. Now it's been poor at best. You haven't even mentioned your app in months until... Friday's show with complaints of, of podcasts that was a Clark Stinks. The live stream also doesn't work. Personally, I would like to see more of what's on Clark.com available on your app. You really dropped the ball on this one. Krista, oh, Krista, you had to go ahead and put in your two cents with your hoity-toity nose in the air talking about 60% of your listeners are on Apple, Clark. What about the 40% of Android users who didn't get that good deal on an iPhone or just prefers Android? We will... We all would like a better updated app version for all purposes, not just podcasts. That being said, you should climb down from the top of that apple tree. You might drop your iPhone and break your screen. Mike. Mike, Krista does not use an iPhone. Krista uses a Chinese manufactured, and well, it's like all the cell phones are manufactured <laughs> in China. But anyway, she uses um, a Huawei, H-U-A-W-E-I, mm-hmm. which is... Uh, it's a pretty awesome phone, is it not? I think it is. I'll just say really quick, Mike, I apologize if I sounded snobby. Um, you sounded like a snob. snobby. That's okay. I was just, I thought you were insulting Apple people, and I wanted to make sure you knew that we do. I mean, we have a majority of Apple users on the digital products. That is a fact. I am an Android user, and I'm pushing extremely hard for a new Android app, and we're getting that developed, and that is one of my big priorities because I absolutely think it's important that we have a great app on all the platforms we can be on, and um, and we are going to see a lot more content on the on the new app as well. So that should be coming very soon. And I know Clark will promote the heck out of it once it is available. 
And as you have explained to me in the past, and I don't understand what it means behind the scenes, but that doing an app for an iPhone is easier than doing an app for an Android because of the various operating uh, generations that are still out there for Android. And I don't understand what that has to do with making an app harder to write. But I know. Me too. I mean, I'm not a techie in that way, but we definitely want that available ASAP. Um, But there are, in the meantime, you can um, download all the podcasts through various other apps as well. So you can check that out at Clark.com. And a lot of people just go to Clark.com on their mobile device. Right. Instead of Right. It's mobile friendly. USAA low cost investing, not... Clark, you should check into the fees at USAA. I had man- a managed account at USAA and was paying over $1,700 a year. I moved that money to Vanguard, and now I pay $170 a year. At Vanguard, I'm making a better and higher return with lower rates. Thanks. So USAA is an outstanding company, and they do a wonderful job with their investor centers around the country providing advice to military families about the basics of investing. And I don't talk about specifically how USAA is more expensive to invest in with than Vanguard and some of my other low-cost folks because so often military personnel get absolutely ripped off to the end of the earth on insurance products and investment products. And so USAA is a safe zone for those military personnel not as inexpensive for investing as other choices, but vastly superior to where most military personnel end up getting their investments, where they end up often losing money over time because the fees and commissions are so outrageous. I appreciate your post. Please let me know where you feel I've got a blind spot. I want to hear from you at ClarkStinks at Clark.com. Lonnie is with us. Hi, Lonnie. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Lonnie. Hope everything's great in your world. Uh, it's pretty good, yes. I'm just uh, very privileged to be talking to you. I think a lot of you. Well, you're kind to say that. How can I serve you? Well, let's see. About eight years ago, my oldest daughter got married, and I took out a unsecured loan from uh, one of the mega banks. In the meantime, I uh, subsequently have paid that off, and because of your advice, we got out of the mega bank altogether and are with the credit union now. I've had a zero balance on the unsecured uh, loan for a while, a long time. And I just got to thinking, is you treat that the same way that you do the, the second credit card? You mean, would it be a good idea for you to leave that open rather than close that line? Yes. Yes, with one exception. If okay. you were going to be buying a new home, okay. the mortgage underwriters get really nervous about those lines of credit sure. being open. But other than applying for a mortgage, having that line of credit there will be valuable to you in your overall credit scoring mix. Okay. There's no fee for you having it, is there? No, no fee. So you can just let it sit there. And at some point, the bank may say, hey, use this or lose it. Okay. At that point, lose it. Okay. But until I, that time, I, I would just, I just leave it be. Okay. I don't need to use it twice a year like a second credit card. Well, 
for it to remain active in your mix, it will show in your history, and I think you're fine with the line of credit just sitting there. Okay. I, I may read something later that I'm like, oops, I should have told you to use it, but I don't think it has the urgency that it would with a credit card. Okay. So well, that's great news. You like your son-in-law? Oh, yeah. I love him. Okay, great. great. And I have, uh, have an eight-year-old grandson, and I have a five-year-old granddaughter. Oh, that's fantastic. Isn't that? Yeah. Well, have a great day, and I'm so glad the wedding's all paid for. So glad you've joined us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our web address. ClarkDeals.com is our up-to-the-minute deal site to save you money. My son, who is 11, is really into making money. He's not good at the saving part. He tends to spend what he makes, but he's always looking for entrepreneurial opportunity. And last year, when we were on a family beach vacation, he decided, instead of spending time at the beach with us, when he was 10, he set up his own store right by one of the beach walkovers. He did a sign called the Walkover Store, and we went to Sam's Club and we bought snacks and uh, you know chips in the bags and all that kind of stuff and little packages, Oreo cookies and soft drinks and water. Water turned out to be a big seller. And he would run this stand every day and the hottest part of the day I was where he was going to have heat exhaustion or something and he'd make money selling to people at the at his walkover store so then we were at the beach some this summer and this summer one of the trips when we went to Sam's Club last summer to buy more supplies they had shaved ice machines on clearance and he decided that he was going to go in the shaved ice business because that's kind of in, it's great at the beach. So we buy this shaved ice machine on clearance for like $60, I think. And so I front him the money for it. I was the bank and got the supplies, the syrups and all that. And let me tell you something, the kid made real money selling shaved ice. People, that was a crowd pleaser. The walkover store is dead. He's now totally in the shaved ice business. Long since paid off the machine, pays for his consumables, and he's clearing about right about $60 a day working at this stand, typically a four-hour shift. So he's netting of expenses about $15 an hour. And he's learned all kinds of things where people come up and say, hey, I don't have money with me now because I'm at the beach, but can I have one and I'll come and pay you later? And he, like a small town merchant of old, just goes ahead and gives them product. Some people come back and pay. Others stiff him. But he's, he's a merchant, and he's learning about human nature, and uh, he calls out to people, Shaved ice, only a dollar. It's just really funny. So when I tell him what I'm about to share with you, 
the shaved ice is going to be thrown overboard, and he's starting his next entrepreneurial venture. Saw a story in the Wall Street Journal about a 12-year-old, which he will be soon, who started his own business fixing crack screens on smartphones. He's been fixing them since he, as I said, was 12. He's now 16. He's making, per summer, setting up after rent, because he pays an ice cream shop rent to set up in part of their space, he's clearing $24,000 a summer fixing cracked iPhone screens. You know, this is such a scam with the screens. How is it that the cell phone manufacturers don't make the screens that are unbreakable? Really? I mean, Samsung did that for their military, whenever they call that, when when it's military grade, forever ago. Anyway, different subject. But this teenager just started doing this after he saw a family member do a repair on a cracked iPhone and now has this fantastic business fixing screens on iPhones, iPads, uh, microphones, all kinds of things, and he charges only $50 to fix a screen on an older iPhone, but a fortune for one on an iPhone 7 Plus, $200, and people apparently gladly pay. Now remember, started this at 12. Kid's going to be able to pay for his own college. I mean, easy with what he's making just in the summer fixing phones. So if a kid can be entrepreneurial enough to try and try again, one of the things I've noticed with my son, he never gets discouraged when an idea doesn't work. He doesn't do this because any of us encourage him. He does all this on his own. Seriously, Kim, you're laughing at me. He is completely motivated on his own. I totally believe you. And I was only laughing because the way that you phrased it made it sound like you don't encourage your son. And I know that's not what you meant. It just sounded funny. No, I mean, I, I don't, I want this to be whatever entrepreneurial thing. He's a very driven and also stubborn child. So he thinks these things up in his own head. And he was uh, at school not this past year, but the year before, he was making money selling back scratchers to his fellow classmates. Yes. He was making these and then selling them, and they were big sellers for a while. And so he's just got that entrepreneurial thing about him, As but he's certainly not in the league of Grayson here who's making... 24 grand net a summer. Rob is with us on the Clark Howard Show. And Rob, you're doing something I really like, a targeted retirement fund to save for your future. But there's something about it you're like certain I'm going to hate. What's that? High fees, Clark. So is this a 
target retirement plan in a 401k offered by your employer? It's a 403b plan. Oh, uh, oh you're killing and me. It's, but it, it's, uh, they have choices from companies that you are normally favorable of. So as an example, and this can be confusing to people in an insurance company provided 403b, they may be offering, let's say, Vanguard funds as an example, or Fidelity funds, or any of the low-cost providers. But then when you get it from the insurance company doing the 403b, the expenses may be 20 to 30 times what they would be buying that same fund directly from the low-cost provider. Oh, okay. So 403B plans are really, it's to me, it's a scandal that people who are teachers, work for nonprofits, work for many hospitals, get saddled with these horrifically rotten, terrible 403B plans peddled by insurance companies. So the 403B you have made available to you, are you allowed multiple, can you go to different companies for the 403B, or are you only allowed to go to the one we're talking about right now? Well, there are two uh, voices, uh, Clark, and you're, you're pretty favorable generally on both of them. Because uh, a company called TIA, do you have TIA available to you, T-I-A-A? Yes. All right, so TIA is the best 403B provider in the country by far. Nobody's even, it would be like a race where that horse had already finished and the rest of them were still in the starting blocks. Okay. Well, their fee is like a 0.68. With TIA? Yeah. Well, you know, it depends. Well, target retirement uh, fund. Now, 0.68 for a target retirement fund is, if I remember, is that double what Vanguard charges? You know, I'm not eligible for Vanguard, so I did not look at it. So 0.68 for a target retirement fund is higher than I'd like, but it's a tiny fraction of what you'll typically pay to most insurance companies in their 403Bs for an equivalent fund. And TIA okay. does have choices available that'll be lower than that. But because would, of this... Would, go ahead. No, I was wondering if you would recommend that you try to build your own portfolio since those other uh, options are cheaper. Yeah, if you in the, in the plan have access to lower cost funds and you can do your own allocation model, if you can... Uh, stay diligent about that and check it every two or three years, then I think you'd be fine building your own portfolio as long as you were conscientious about it. Okay. And Tia... And would you have recommendations for that that would be similar to the results you would get from a target date? So if you kept it simple, you'd do index funds where you did a total stock market index fund, an international index fund, a bond fund that would be just an intermediate term corporate bond fund. Yeah. And you could do a mix of those. How old are you? 47. So at 47, a typical uh, breakout would be somewhere where you did two-thirds in stock funds and one-third in bond funds. 
And if you look at the target, but don't take my word for it, go look at the breakdown of what the target retirement fund is invested in and just mimic it with lower cost funds. And then three years from now, adjust it when you're age 50. And then every two or three years after that, adjust it based on how the mix has changed in the target retirement funds. It's more work, but you'll likely end up with more net money for your retirement by doing that. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Andrew is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Andrew. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great, Andrew. What's going on with you? Well, I appreciate you taking my call, first of all. Uh, My son is 19 years old, and uh, he has a part-time job. And I, I heard you talking about setting up an IRA, and I'd like to know how, or what's the best practice for getting one set up for him. So at 19, you said 19, right? 19, that's correct. Yeah, it's so easy for him to open a, a Roth IRA. And at 19, it should be a Roth, not a regular IRA. Okay. Because the tax benefit of doing a pre-tax contribution is basically worthless at the kind of pay that a 19-year-old makes. So if he does a Roth, it's after-tax dollars that go in. They'll grow over the next 40 years plus tax-free, and then they're spent by him tax-free. Okay. So he can put in, or if you want to do it for him or you want to do some combination of you matching money he puts up, um, he can put in up to what he's earned in a year, no more. Okay. Uh, up to a max of 5500 Okay, so that's, that's just about where he's at with an annual income. Oh, that's great. Are you in a position to help him out with that? At this point, no. Okay. In the next year, I should be. Great, because you have, for 2015 pay, you have till he would file a tax return in 2016 to make the 2015 contribution. Okay, so that so, would be perfect. So you got a long time to do it. And what I think works easiest and best for a teenager, even, you know, 20-something, is to go in like a target retirement fund 2060, 2065, whatever the latest year is you can put money in. And then he can just contribute and the money will be very aggressively invested as a teenager and will stay very aggressively invested till he's really into his late 30s. And then the investments get more conservative steadily over the years till he gets close to or in retirement age. We're, we're in New York State, and uh, is there one in particular that you can recommend or vouch for? Well, the, I'll tell you my favorite children. 
are uh, for setting up a starter Roth IRA are Vanguard, the the um, the company that's owned by its investors, Vanguard.com. Okay. Charles Schwab, which has some fantastic low-cost funds that are great for a Roth IRA, and then T. Rowe Price and Fidelity. And I have uh, hot links for all of them, I guess that's what you call them, at Clark.com on my investment guide, hyperlinks, whatever. Clark, as usual, you've been a great help. I thank you so much for the service you provide. And you don't have any idea what a phenomenal thing you're doing for your 19-year-old son. It will completely change the economics of his later life. Michael's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Michael. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Michael. How can I be of service to you? Clark, I have an IRS uh, debt that I'm trying to figure out the best way to pay off. Right now I'm on a payment plan, but I was wondering if I should go to a line of credit or a personal loan because of the interest rate difference. Well, generally the IRS interest rates are pretty favorable. Unless you have a failure to file penalty thrown in it, the interest rate the IRS is charging you is is it about 8% right now? I think so, yes. Yeah, the, historically, when the IRS interest rates are based on overall interest rates in the economy. I forget exactly which index they use, but the interest rates have been so low that the IRS interest rate is calculated on that there has not really been a need or a reason to go outside the IRS to borrow money to pay the IRS. So at, at the interest rate you have... As long as you're able to make your payments, because the IRS becomes miserable to deal with if you start missing payments. Have you been able to keep up the payment schedule? Yes, I have. I, I was wondering, is there any other um, uh, veterans programs that I should look at? Because I'm a veteran and I was thinking of, uh, I have some other debt that I want to consolidate. Would there be a place to go to for a veterans? Not specifically that I am aware of. Uh, there, there are some veterans organizations that help veterans who have hit hard times, but uh, not, not specifically that are set up that I have ever heard of to make loans specifically to veterans. Okay. So, well, thank uh, you, Clark. I listen to you every day driving home to get through the traffic on the Long Island Expressway. The Long Island Expressway is a nightmare. <laughs> you you don't commute where you can take the Long Island Railroad? No, it's a 45-minute drive I have, but you pass the time so well because you have so much good information. Well, you are really, really kind to say that. Thank you very much. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. I appreciate you tuning in to The Clark Howard Show And if you'd like more fun stuff to listen to by podcast, well, we have our Empowerment Zone. This is where you get to hear the stories of people that have done amazing things, either in overcoming hardship in their lives or things they've done to accomplish. Go to Clark.com slash Empowerment Zone.